So I thought a lot about what do we do? What kind of lecture can I give? How can I nerd out, give all the latest trends, all the data? I'm a big data guy. Um, how can we change the world in the midst of political disruption? What should be the vision of 180 for the next 10 years? And I just heard that and I was like, that's just tiring. <laughs> let's, let's rest, put, a, put some brakes on that. My, my thoughts scattered. I thought about talking about the clinic, the medical center, Talk, thought about the grants we want to receive to do academic studies to change the world. And the Lord just showed me an image of a garden instead. Maybe my wife is getting to me. <laughs> Maybe it's just my wife. No, no. Because we can focus the whole week on what God wants to do through us. And we could get excited about what God's doing in our community. And I could sell you, and I could sell <laughs> on what you need to do and how hard you need to run. But what I sense the season before we move to the next decade, instead of focusing on what God wants to do through us, I think the word I got was God wants to focus on what he wants to do in you, not through you. And we'll get to the through. Maybe, <laughs> you know, next year or the winter, maybe we'll do another retreat. Vision, you know. But yeah, let's put this picture up here. Tell someone this is you. You're like, I'm beautiful like that? I'm beautiful. Tell someone that I'm beautiful like that. I'm beautiful. I got my hair did. I'm beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. A lot of times, leaders like myself fall into temptation to build. And a lot of times, this is not something I personally struggle with, but a lot of times with leaders in churches and corporations and even states and governments and cities, leaders are tempted to build an empire to validate their name, their empire building. If you've seen the news lately, huge mega ministries are collapsing everywhere. The New York Times covered it. This, the world is watching, and I wonder why all these collapses? Because they focus so much on what God wanted to do through them, but they didn't focus on what God was doing what in them. A lot of times, you know, we're, we're captivated by visions of success, flourishing, or grandeur, of something we can do, something we can accomplish. Especially men. Men need them something to do. Like Danny here, you need something to do. You see him at uh, Games in the Sun, very excited, he wants to win. We, we're, we're, we're wired that way to want to do something because, you know, then you don't have to think about it. You just do it. 
But have you ever considered the idea that you might be not a gardener? The Bible says you're not a gardener. You're, you're, you're his vine. You're his garden. I know this is like for guys. It's like, what? <laughs> Bro, I'm going to be a garden. <laughs> That's because you're immature. <laughs> Ask Joe's dad. He's a gardener. He has rabbits everywhere, carrots. Uh, he goes, he just one time told Joe, he was like, if, if someone doesn't want to be a farmer, they're just stupid. <laughs> I was like, what? We were both like, what? Ten years from now, we're like, oh. Yeah. yeah. I want to help you see your life this weekend through the lens of a garden. You are that garden. And God wants to do things in you, but a lot of times we're too busy doing things for him or competing issues in our own life that are heavy, like our parents' voice, trying to prove them that you're worth a lick, that you can do something with your life, and you lose the father's voice. And the truth is, and I'll tell you honestly, we're going to have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation. You're already, most of you in this room are already the most gifted people in the world. And the smartest. I'm going to only say that once, the whole thing. <laughs> you're, e you're in that 9% of the population with a college degree from one of the, the, the prestigious universities in the world. Everybody covets those titles and names. You're already there. But you're in New York because you're a bit neurotic, right? You're a bit neurotic. You could be Texas. You could be, you know, in <laughs> – you could be from Texas. But uh, – kidding. But New York is, is – this, this New York, the Bay Area, these areas are uh, a hectic, pacing, crazy working – you know, workaholics because we're, we're trying to prove something to the world. And there's an ambition inside of you that, that will make you either, you know, the, the CEO of Vogue or, or Goldman Sachs or some type of academic medicine make you the best of the best or end up killing you. So, what we want to do is take some time and find a safe place to think about what God might be doing in you. Not calling you to do necessary something. What he might be doing, because the Bible says in John 15 that he is, the father is a gardener. He tends his garden. And I've been to this garden before, believe me. This is not just like Getty Images. <laughs> I've been to this garden. This is Vancouver. Keats Island, one of the, mo the most beautiful places in the world where you can see whales. And I've seen a whale, bald eagles, and birds. It's a place where leaders go to and, and find their soul. And I, I, this is the image I got. So let me show you, as, through the lens of my own journey, 
Let's go down. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Enjoy that. Enjoy that. Good job. This is this is part of my doctoral work at, at Vancouver, the leaders go. Now the whole point of this mountain, rappelling down a mountain, right, is to teach you fear. <laughs> so they said, who wants to go first? Everybody, some leaders are crying. I don't want to go down there. Some leaders are like, no, no. Some leaders chose not to do it. I'm like, what a wuss. <laughs> I was like, I'll go down. And I literally jumped from side A to side B, and then the trainer was like, You're, you might be crazy. Because <laughs> 30 years of doing this, no one was ever happy to jump off. Because my personality is crazy risk taker, right? That's how I started this church, crazy risk taker. <laughs> Why would anyone do that? One of the things I learned was, I didn't learn anything from the repelling. What I had to learn was, you need to slow down. <laughs> Like, we we're trying to teach you fear, but you have known. <laughs> we're trying to teach you to slow down. So, so for me, you can, go to, you can go to a beautiful retreat and be like, what is this garden? Let me just jump off this mountain and be like, yo, I had no fear. Everybody, right? I mean, they, they, they call me, um, what was that from Arrow? They, they gave me a nickname from, from Friday Light. What's Smash. It? Smash. Smash from um, Friday Night. Oh, thank you, honey. There you go. Yeah. But for, one of the things I had to learn was because I, I'm, I'm, I run so fast. Well, not physically. <laughs> but, um, I, used to, I used to 10 years ago, maybe like 20, year, like 20 years ago. Uh, but I run fast. I, you know, I'm one of those people that had hopes and dreams and wishes in my life um, since I was a kid. And one of the things, my original vision was... I'm going to become an investment banker. You're like, why? Because I like nice things. I like nice suits. I like money. My parents like money. They're business, you know, they're business people, you know. That's, that's, no one ever, ever conceived why we were growing up. This guy is going to become a minister. No one ever conceived that because it's all about building, building your own life, right? One of the things I had to learn in my own spiritual journey, the things, the work that God had to do in me was, what if that's not something I'm doing? What if that's not something God is doing in your life? Some of you are doing things in your life, and for some reason you're like a knucklehead. And it, it just doesn't work out what you're trying to do. Like it keeps faltering. Anyone go through that? You know, like you're striving toward a direction, but just God doesn't want to bless it. If, I mean, if you might be like, that might be something, this question you might ask this weekend. Maybe that's not what God's doing. Right? That, that's one of the things I had to learn. Sometimes God is not doing that. Because a lot of us are influenced. Tell someone next to you, influenced. 
By who? Who are you influenced by? Who are you influenced by? LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely learn how to flop. <laughs> no. um, that's why he's always calling these N1 oh, fouls wow. that are lies. <laughs> All lies. <laughs> But seriously ask that question. Who are you influenced by? What are you influenced by? Is your vision for your life really your vision? Because God is an artist. Well, not here, but you know. <laughs> let's move down. We'll go down. God is an artist. God did this with one word. You look at Keats Island, you look at nature. How many people like rock climbing? Climbing rocks, not me. I like to jump off them, but not climb up. That's, uh, upwards is challenging. But um, God is an artist. So if God's an artist of creation, we look at the creator order and we go, that's beautiful. Most of what all millennials want to do is travel. So basically, if you were to have unlimited resources, that's what millennials would do. No job, travel. Just travel all over the world. Live in hotels. The Ritz-Carlton would become your residence. Actually, there's something called the Ritz-Carlton residence for rich people. That's my vision. See. This is something I want you to think about and distinguish through this weekend. Is your life generic? Is your vision of your life generic? Because your influences lead you toward a direction, if not God's will, and not God's vision, what God is doing. You're like a painting. You're like, you're like a blank canvas that God wants to create a masterpiece out of. But if you're influenced not by him, but by some other vision, then what's going to end up happening is you're going to look like a copy of other people's lives. And that's really true. You, you want to be, I asked this to kids, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know what kind of answers we get today? What do you think? Give me some answers. Influencer. We have some influencers in this room. <laughs> they want to be, I want to be an influencer. Like the Gen, like Kardashian, Kim Kardashian, Jenner. I want to be a superstar. Like a long time ago, like 30 years ago, people, you know, where there was no social, Thanks a lot, Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, no social people said, you know, I want to be the president. You know, I want to be a, no one says, you know, I want to be a fireman today. They go, I want to be this or that. Why? Because they're influenced. Before they were in, influenced by different values. Now they're influenced by different things. And somewhere in your life, in the mattering map of your own life, you've been influenced. And that influence is guiding you and driving you. And you need to be able to hit it on the nail and be like, why is that my vision? Why is that my drive? 
Because you're, and I'm going to say this, okay? I've experienced this in my own life and other leaders' life. I've seen it. God can never, ever, ever. Tell someone next to you. Never. Never, never. Ever, never. Ever, never. Okay? Bless the false self. He will never, ever bless your false self. The false self is the ego that builds up, that seeks validation through my own process. It's a, it's a world of pain. And, you know, the truth is we have to go through that pain to learn that we can't be the hero of our own stories, our own journeys. But I think that question is very important. Who are you influenced by? What are you influenced by? Because I think what happens to a lot of people that I've seen in my life is they live generic visions. They chase, you know, lucky charms. They, they chase the gold behind the rainbow because someone influenced them. And then their, their whole life is wasted. And, and the, here's the thing. Most people who chase this fantasy or this dream don't even accomplish it you know you, you realize that right like people chase these dreams and they don't and those people who achieve those dreams do you know what happens to them answers name five famous people the most famous people in this life and think if they're happy they're like, whoa, they're really, they're really rich. They achieved enormous success. And think about it. Man, they must be really happy. I could, I could think of a couple in my head. Justin Bieber. Nathan was just telling, my son was just telling me, he, he's coming back, Dad. God is helping him. Yeah. Right? He's like, how old is he, 22? That's okay. I'm maybe older than I remember. 25? He's achieved more success than anyone could achieve in a lifetime, right? I mean, it's like Justin JB <laughs> could just go anywhere in the world and not be recognized, right? He has no privacy. I mean, people go, wow, private jet. You know how much a private jet is? The, the luxury is there, but he has no privacy. And he's in and out of depression. Why? Because he achieved everything he wanted, he, even more than he ever dreamed, yet he's depressed. So, I mean, and I talked about, right, the statistics of depression in the global population, how it's increasing, right? CDC said by 2030, 50, over 50% 50 will struggle with some type of mental illness, especially depression and anxiety. So those who try to make it are depressed because they can't. <laughs> and then those who make it are depressed because they did. <laughs> so what's the point? What is the point of the vision? Right now, my, my son was telling, he, he's my cultural theologian now. He goes, Dad, you're so wrong about all these things. You're so old now. And I was like, all right, thank you for update. But now he's singing. He's, he's worshiping in Hillsong's L.A. 
out of all that, what comes out of it is he's now on the stage at Hillsong's LA worship, leading worship. They're saying now that's where he finds his happiness. In the end of the day, where, where, where is joy? When God gets the glory and you get the joy. When you're not the hero. So JB is a good lens to look through, right? Like you go, no, I need to experience that for myself. Well, you're an idiot then. Because all the famous people are not happy. They have their psychiatrist and counselors on speed dial. Any, anybody watch Suits? Louis Litt, I pay you $500 an hour. I need you for the whole weekend. Right? Harvard Law, major partner of a law firm. And this is a fictional character, but that, that's the tension you see. So what are you after in your life? What's happening in you? Is the father really the gardener of your life? Or do you have your own vision? for your life. That might be causing you a lot of pain and other people a lot of pain. Because God's an artist. He only makes originals. God has an original vision for your life. And you know what the tra most tragic part about this is? A lot of people will miss it. You know, the Bible talks about that that's what hell is. You know, a lot of people talk about hell being a, a place. My son's been asking me questions about hell lately because he's um, witnessing to a friend of his. He goes, Dad, this guy's so stupid. Can you give me some facts? Because in the end, hell is an image of, the Bible says that it's a place of eternal fire. But then in, also says it's a place of complete darkness. How could some place be complete light and complete darkness, right? Is that a contradiction? No, it's a metaphor. Because hell ultimately is a place where the, the sewer system of the universe, where something is without design or purpose goes to. That's Satan. That's, de that's demons, and that's everyone who chooses their own will. And you can choose that. But the thing is, a lot of us are moving toward that direction, and we don't even know because we're being influenced. Right? We're, we're influenced. And I think that is something that I want you to pray through this weekend. Because a lot of our influences are our idols. They're really our God, not, not the Father. And one of the things when we, do when we do altars this weekend, create altars, is I want you to destroy those idols in your life. Because when you break them, I mean, it's painful. I remember my idol in high school. And this is, um, this, is not this is not a joke. Okay? My idol, very much, I could, my life could have ended up differently. But my idol, which is much better than Danny's idol, <laughs> was Michael Jordan. 
That's right, he beat the aliens. Would you want LeBron to play against the aliens for the fate of all humanity? No. He would miss free throws in the end and might do a Dallas all over again or might lose to the Spurs all over again. Uh, he, lose, he lost too many times. Okay, anyway. But, like, like I ripped my poster. <laughs> all of them. Because sometimes the influence is explicit like that. Sometimes it's not so explicit. Because these worldly values are imputed to you by culture, by your paternal figures in your life. Because a lot of times, that's all we really want. We want our parents, or those we want to make proud, validate that we're worth something. That, we, that, that, that we're special, that we made it. That's the drive that a lot of people have. And only when those idols are broken can God begin to move. And so a lot of our lives right now have blocks, barriers to growth. They're like, if you looked at a garden before, there are tons of pests and, and things in our, inside of us that's preventing flourishing for God to work and move and change us. I don't know what those things might be necessarily, but you might have some idea, and with prayer and contemplation, you might be able to discover what they are. Because what this retreat this weekend is about is not about dictating what you should do for the rest of your life. It's really just about direction. I don't have an agenda, necessarily. Be like, I want you to do this for me. I do need you to cook food because <laughs> we need to eat, but, but that's about it. There, there is no other agenda, right? Because the agenda could be, well, this is division, buy in, and I could sell, sell, sell. That's not the point of, the, of this contemplative retreat. The, the, it's to, to give you direction about your hopes and dreams and even pains, and how do we root out certain tears or influences that's destroying the work that God is doing in your life, or blocking the, the life of God to go in your life? Because trust me, the vision that God has for your life is so much greater than the one you have for yourself, because he's the one that created you, right? I know you guys, I told you in the beginning you guys are smart, right? But you're stupid <laughs> compared to God. <laughs> you might be the 9%, but to God, you're 0%. <laughs> so it's to give you direction. It's to focus wholly on investing into the work that God wants to do in you, not even so he can do work through you. The goal is not even the through, it's just in, to direct that portion. So I will be master gardener, though I know nothing about gardening, maybe just metaphorically. But it's about giving you direction. It's, it's you know, it's just being here and having 
Sometimes when we're going to go to the park today near the lake or the beach is to have walks. And walk. sometimes when you walk and pray and think and talk, it's the best place to think through those barriers in our lives, the weeds in our lives, the tears in our lives. We just want to be here directing the work of God. No agenda. No selling. That's the heart behind what we want to try to accomplish this weekend. But look at all the beautiful things that God does. Move down. God is an artist. Should we go here for a retreat? Yeah. Think so? All right. It might be like triple the price. <laughs> Actually, quadruple the price just for the ticket. <laughs> okay. We'll just give every. We'll just uh, refer everyone to a Sapphire card, and you can. <laughs> and um, seventy-five thousand points could get you a free plane ride. <laughs> yeah, God's an artist. This is a real place. I've seen this place. Beautiful. God wants to do a work in you so that you might flourish for his glory. And you might not get the glory. You might not be able to take credit for the work that says in your life, but you get all the joy. Right? I love it when, like, Joe or Eddie, they buy me ice cream. Because I give them all the glory, but I get all the joy. And I go, can I have some of your ice cream too? I finished mine. So God's an artist. So next, next picture. I mean, this is a whale. Right? I mean, God is a master artist. If you looked behind your name tag of, of the clothes you're wearing, what do you have? Because this world values your clothing based on the name. This t-shirt, no one even cares where it's made, right? Because it's the name. Harvard. People recognize it as a valuable name. It opens doors. A lot of us in this room and a lot of believers, and I've seen this, those who are trying to build empires and those who are driven by ambition, forget that if you look deep inside of you, there's a name tag, there's a signature. And it says Abba Father. So you have the highest name brand, better than Louis Vuitton, Better than Prada or whatever those fashion names are. Kago Tanaka. <laughs> <laughs> From Tokyo, made in Tokyo. <laughs> it's actually a lot more boring than it's in Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> Midwest city. Midwest wannabe city. No, okay. But, um, I don't know why I'm dissing cities today. <laughs> states said Texas, that was bad. But yeah, 
You have God's signature. You're, you're, you're God's child. God made you. And you're a working progress. We're all we're. God, the Bible says that we're masterpieces, but I, the thing is, a lot of people don't see the work, the masterpiece in their lives because they don't cooperate. You know, people have asked me, how'd you get to where you got to? How'd you get there? What did you do? And this is my answer as a lens through my own life, slowing down. Rather than focusing on how much God loves me, which is very critical in, in my development, in my, as just a, a friend along the journey today, not as a minister, not as a doctor, not anything, but just as a friend along the journey with you, we're all on the journey with Jesus, is I 100% are, it, am committed to God. Like, not 50%, not 80%. I'm 100% committed to want to fulfill what he wants to do in me and through me. Like, that's all it takes. Do you need special skill? Is it special intellect? That's the thing about the gospel, the beauty of the gospel. The only prerequisite is 100% commitment. It's not anything else. It's you being ferocious about what God wants to do in your life. That is the only thing between you and God's masterpiece in your life. And I'm still a work in progress. But hey, I want to be the best father that masterpiece looks like. Right? Nathan has like the best father <laughs> in the world. We compete with, with uh, Instagram followers. And I love it when I get more. <laughs> That's a lot like the father. You find the father and Jesus are competing. Who has more Instagram followers? And Jesus is like, well, I do. But I want to be the best father. I, I, you know, it's, it's, the, it's a lens of not thinking about, like, when I mess up, when I sin, when I resist what God is doing, it's none of that. That's, there has to be a point where you just have to be like, hey, I don't want to sin anymore. Like, that's just stupid. Like, I don't want to resist anything. If God said it in the book, not gonna, I just don't want to do it. And if God said to do this, I'm going to be 100% committed to it. Be like, what, like why even bother why even bother thinking through, like, I have a better idea? I even had my own generic, like, visions about my life, you know? But it didn't turn out anything like I thought. Because I had influences, even godly influences, that I wanted to be like. But God had completely different vision which is sort of unfolding in my life now, but it's not something I was, was like, that's what I want. Because that's not even something I could have conceived. So, one of the things that, if I can give you my life as a lens, as a friend along the journey, walking in this spiritual life with you, 
is please stop resisting the work, of, the work of God in your life. Please stop doing stupid things, like thinking you have a better idea, and be fully bought in to the love of God in your life. And not keep talking about how, you know, making excuses, stupid excuses, about why you're doing what you're doing. What would happen if you began to choose to love God too? Because the question of God loves me has been answered cosmologically by the cross. What is left? It's showing God you love him. What would happen if you decided to run in the direction where you said, I'm going to love God with all my heart, all my soul, my strength? There'd be nothing and no barrier, no demon, no angel, no trauma, no person that could get in the way of God finishing his work in your life, right? Last week, what he started in you, my wife picked this up, will what, carry it to completion, which was the name of Stephen King's book, Carrie. <laughs> Prophetic, okay. <laughs> but that is really the, the heart behind this weekend. Leave it all here to this weekend. Any rebellion, any sin, any stupidity. Like, God, I'm going to wrestle you like Jacob. Break my bones. Break, break me broken in the right places so I can flourish. So I can begin to become what I was called to be. Amen? Because, God, I mean, look at the person next to you. You're just unfinished, but you're beautiful. Everybody's like, I can't say beautiful. I can't say it. Can't say it to the person next to you. It just might not be true. I'm kidding. No, no. It's, come on. Joe, are you uncomfortable with that right there? <laughs> You might, be, you might be a killer whale. That's true. But let's go down. So, I mean, we beautiful birds. Let's touch it. God is, God is a masterful, a master artist. Not only is he writing a story in your life, he is working what he started, and he will carry it into completion. All he asks is for you to trust him in that story, that narrative, that process. I think we have another animal. There you go. That's a hummingbird, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would be a good hummingbird, <laughs> but I, I wouldn't be able to fly. <laughs> All right, so move down. All right, so why we have to slow down. That's one of the things I learned in Keats Island in my life, to slow down. 
and not just keep running for the Lord even. Some of you are running for the Lord, and, and I mean, many of you in this room do more for God than most people do. Um, you love him. You do. There's, you, many of you do so much. And you have many other things to do. But ask this question to the person next to you. Tell this person next to you this, what she says. Insane. <laughs> here it is, here it is. How was your, I mean, actually, how was your week this week? Coming in. Same. I heard some people coming. It took five hours to come to the retreat. For some people, you had crazy work weeks. I mean, she embodies what we're going through. Yeah, so here's the point. Some of you are already going through something or trying to go to something. Those are the two tensions uh, that we have in our lives today in a metropolitan, driven culture. Some of you are going through something that, some, that people don't know. It's, and it's hard for you, really hard. Trauma, depression, wounds, betrayal, I don't know what they may be, but the Lord does. Um, but in, in spite of going through things in your life, you're trying to make birthdays, meetups with friends, you know, job-related things. For me, now she goes to Chicago. I mean, not Chicago, Boston. <laughs> Boston could be boring. Well, I just just another. <laughs> Three. <laughs> Count. Three. Well, I said boss can be boring when you're alone. alone. It could be fun with other people. Just boring. But yeah, I mean, you're always going through something. You're going. So, so what are you doing? You're rushing. You're rushing through. Right? The, the perfunctory nature of life is that I, I am a, I'm a social network, not like the internet, but I'm talking about I'm a social network. I have relationships and with my family and my friends and my job and my school, and therefore I'm connected by a web of relationships. Therefore I'm going to, I'm trying to make something, but yet I'm going through something. Someone's rushing, rushing to get there, to get over this and that. And we become almost driven by efficiency. And how many of you remember what this week was even like? Right? You're just trying to go through it and get to the retreat. <laughs> but that, that was a challenge. But here, here's the facts. Move down. <laughs> Cat videos are the best. That's how I get entertained. When you have writer's block, 
and I'm gonna, and I get competitive. This cat's not gonna finish his paper before me. No. But but this this is the fact. This is what we what do we feel like in our life? You know, we're just working through things, going through something, trying to go to something. You know, and 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 here's the fact. Put up. It only gets busier. And for those of you that, that are single, count your blessings. Right, Lee's from along uh, Queens? <laughs> My wife asked me, don't you want a third? <laughs> I have meeny, miny, have to have no mo. No mo. No mo. Some people said, but you had a prophetic vision. I resist that vision. <laughs> My wife was like, but Josh, Josh would be such a good older brother. And I said, do you know what happens to the middle child? <laughs> Sorry for those of you who are the middle child. God bless you. May therapy be with you. No, but, but the fact is, it only gets busier. You think you're busy now? Move down. Wait until this happens. <laughs> then you'll have a baby. And then you'll get no sleep. <laughs> and then you'll get a family and there'll be a check mark. You know the verification mark about life? Ooh, I have a family check. <laughs> then after you have a family, you'll have birthday parties. And then you'll get a goldfish and they'll die. <laughs> And now you have to explain death to children. You have to have a funeral for the goldfish. So you'll feel bad and you'll get a puppy instead. And then you have to do things like red envelopes and New Year's and all this. Then you have to go to their games. Like, is that water volleyball? Okay. Water polo? Okay. Because volleyball is not really a sport. <laughs> Basketball, which none of our children will play, <laughs> right? Or wrestling, that could be, or soccer practice, or tennis. We'll get busier. So, move down. So, hobbies, <laughs> what's hobbies? <laughs> what, what are they? <laughs> and then you go, well, I, well traveling would be fun. No. When you have to take kids, you're basically, you know what you are, right? An assistant. <laughs> you're assistant to them. You're assistant. You do what they want. Everything is catered. Disneyland is so fun when you go with friends. Such a nightmare when you go with little children. We even lost Josh one time in Disneyland. That was scary but it gets busier. It really does. It, it, the pace of life does not slow down. You go, so you think you'll have a hobby? Nope. Your hobby is trying to get three, four hours of sleep before somebody wakes you up or comes on your bed. So you're already going through something, 
and you're trying to go to something, and life becomes about this, this treadmill of obligations, then you wonder, what is the point of life? That's why they classified burn, burnout as an actual you know, classification of something that you can be diagnosed with now. Because people are burned out by life, by obligations. So, what do we need to do? Let's move down. Dallas Willard, philosopher and writer of spiritual formation, if you can get any books on Dallas Willard, and you're serious about getting this life in you, the work God wants to do in your life, get any book by Dallas Willard. The Divine Conspiracy, many other books. Explain the kingdom of God better than anyone I've ever written. And he says this, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Ruthlessly Eliminate hurry from your life. That's the point of the retreat. To eliminate hurry. All the errands you were supposed to do, all the laundry you were supposed to do, that's not done. Now you have no clean clothes. Don't smell tomorrow. <laughs> but he says, the point of Allowing God to work in you is to ruthlessly, meaning it's a violent act of deliberation, of choice you have to make about your life to stop this hectic, crazy pace and to slow down. Slow down. Because we're not human what? We're, not, we're, we're hu human doings talk about this, a lot of us are just human doings, not beings. How, how are you being? How's your, how's your soul? We're human beings. Jung said, hurry is not the devil. Hurry is the devil. You could go on vacations. You can go on dinners. Did you talk about anything meaningful or memorable? Was, or was it just the fact that you met for dinner and you just took some pictures? You were more interested in the food than the person. I got to put this on my Instagram. When's the last time you had a soul conversation with someone that, that something that actually mattered, that, that invested, deposited something into your life that brought real joy? Or are all these events just blurry conversations you can't even remember from 10 years from now? You know, one of the things that I've experienced with leaders at the highest level, from academia, from, from the church, from state, how lonely people are, how empty they are, and how little joy they have. Is that what you want for your life? How are you going to do that? We have all obligations. 
we have to violently eliminate hurry from our life. Because, as Jung says, hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. Many of you might not lose your faith. You just might have mediocre faith. Because you'll be doing so many things, you'll just do it poorly. You'll just mediocrely serve the Lord or mediocrely do this. Nothing will really be meaningful or impactful. It'll just be something you do. Let's move down. This is a good place. I want to go there. Anyone want to go with me? Let's get a doodle together, a doodle pole, and when we could go. And Sally will pay for us. <laughs> Here's the thing. Okay, in 10 years. <laughs> Here's the thing. There are, there are remarkable achievements people achieve in their lives. You, like you, you become, you go to medical school and you, you go to school for 10 years and then you become finally an attending physician. Right, like Lee, he, Haley put up an Instagram post, we're proud of you, Appa. You know, and, and, and card saying, surgeon, you know. And um, you know, we're trying to celebrate that moment Guess for how, mu how many months? <laughs> the whole year. <laughs> we cannot get our schedules together to go here. <laughs> it's not a funeral. It's not like a, a prayer meeting. Because prayer meetings might be hard to coordinate. We're trying to go here. <laughs> this place. To eat this. Can't get there. Can't. So then if you're struggling, if, if we have a hard time meeting together to celebrate monumental moments in people's lives, what happens when you struggle? Where's the space for that? If you start struggling, it's not like you're gonna go on doodle poll and be like, Wendy Lee intervention day. <laughs> How many friends can meet up at the cafe? <laughs> Right? You might not even set, send that invitation out. And so what, what ends up happening? Isolation, shame, fear, anxiety, and the question, why am I living this life? Why do you think depression is so pervasive in our culture? This is why. Sacred times, sacred places, sacred people. That does not happen accidentally. This has to be intentional, has to be deliberate. What is going to make a difference in your life for you to become that picture that God has for your life? The great artist is painting? Let me tell you the statistics, because I know them. It's not gonna be whether or not I'm your pastor. For all you know, 
God could call me to be a missionary to Shanghai or the Middle East tomorrow. You're not really, are you? No. <laughs> now, statistics shows leaders, they influence you and shape you and help you, but that's not really going to be why the catalyst for why you get there. Great churches have tons of people that are really just busy. What, 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 what does the study show? It's going to be your personal spiritual practices that you've integrated in your life. How you choose to make space for God and others. It's going to be the main determinant if you become that masterpiece. And that's not something leaders can choose for you or your friends could choose for you. It's something that you have to be like, this is going to be deliberate in my life, the spiritual practices in my life that I'm going to integrate. You have to ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Ruthlessly. So... Let's move down. <clears throat> At the heart of this, my mentor, Lane Ford, just released a book coming out, actually, the next week. I would suggest you get it. It's called The Life of Listening, Discerning God's Voice and Discovering Our Own. And what this retreat really is about, even before Layton told me about this book, is how do you live a life of listening? to God and others? How do you pay attention? It's all about paying attention to what God is saying, what God is doing. And that's what I want you to do. Develop a life of listening. Because a life of listening will do more for the world, for 180, for our city, than any vision I can cast. Because if you fulfill the vision that God has for your life, the work he's doing in you, and he will carry it to completion, the work he started, and you cooperate, it will do more good for the kingdom than anything that I could say or do. If you listen to the Father and were actually led by him, it would change the world. So how do you do that? So we're going to break up into groups and read this. The question was, how do you relate to Mary and Martha? And some of you already hurried up and asked why, how. It was supposed to take five minutes. It took 20. <laughs> what are some responses? That you guys have. Let's let's have like a couple groups share real quick. All right, Sean, what group would you guys share? <laughs> oh, I was with uh, Minyoung's group. Minyoung's group. Okay, so tell me what you what would you guys talk about? Uh, we talked about how I think a lot of us we tend to be like Martha the majority of our lives because we keep we keep doing things, but like it's the it's like the rare moments where we're actually married, we're actually listening to God that right. sort of solidifies our faith and like kind of reminds us where. Right. And that's, that's kind of the place from which like, all the good work comes from. Mm. Very, very deep, guys. Very good. <laughs> uh, 
That was Minyuk's answer, right? Uh, <laughs> 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 Michelle, what you guys have? Jenny. Good, Jenny. Good. Type A people. We need a break. Need a break. Yeah, we we're trying to be more like uh, married. Like work ourselves to burn out. Hmm. I can see that in this group. <laughs> Someone here works for the man. There's actually a chase right out here. I saw it from <laughs> All right, anyone else? Volunteer? Yeah, Christina. <laughs> uh, all right, Christina, you volunteered you. Let's have one more. Yeah. Andy, what you guys have? Oh, um, so my group we shared, and I think 90% of us agree with uh, Martha. Who's in your group? Tara, Tara, James, Andy, Stu. Okay, Tyler, okay. <laughs> Got it. Um, so I think the majority of us thought that we would agree with Martha because it's like the differentiation of doing versus being. Um, I think for us, we're always in productive mode, so we always have something to do with God. Yeah. For I think there are three things that has to happen at this retreat, and I'm going to direct you. For some of you, you're going to deal with constipa constipation. <laughs> constipation. Spiritual constipation. Yeah. It's not a physical. It's not a physical. I'm giving you a visual. I'm giving you a visual. Yeah, yeah. So there are things, there, there are toxicities that need to come out of your life. There are tendencies, there are weeds, there are uh, habits. And it's, it's going to be hard to go against the grain of your own nature. But I would suggest you be really committed in the camp. Because it'll, it'll feel counterintuitive. Well, what eventually happens if uh, all that stuff, that waste remains in you? It, it eventually brings disease. It eventually uh, hurts you in many different ways. And it's going to feel like that for some of you. Because no matter what I say, this and that, you'll be like, well, I, I, just, I just know my way. I know what I got to do. And I learned the hard way. Don't do that. Be committed this weekend and let all those things go, those habits.
um, those ideas that are foolish. Not because you thought of them, but because just because God doesn't bless them and submit to his hand, okay? Because you have to be empty if you want to be, what, filled. If you want to eat on, in the Lord's table, you've got to come empty. And he'll, he'll give you a feast before, before the presence of your enemies, whoever you're trying to validate. God will do it his way, but you have to be empty when you come. And, and some of you, that's the first C. Second C is consecration. Some of you have certain habits, sins, what the, whatever they might be. It's going to be a struggle to let it go because you're holding on because you feel like you can't live without it. Now, I don't know what that might be. The Spirit of God would show you, but it, it keeps you from being 100% committed to, to love God. And it's, it's robbing you. Uh, from moving forward in your life. And it's going to be a painful laying down, surrendering process of these things. It's going to feel, you know, deeply painful because they've just been there in your life. But whatever stops you from loving God 100%, it's called consecration. Lay it all down before the Lord this weekend. And if I ask you at the end of the retreat, do you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength? I want you to be able to say, yes, I do. I got nothing stopping me from loving God. Whatever that is, do it. Do it anyway. <laughs> and lastly, some of you will need contemplation. You might not be struggling with the first two, but the direction of your life, the next steps. It might be an actual vision. You know, for me, I asked God for a sentence when I was around. 21, a sentence about my life. I said, God, what, what's my life going to be about? And I got two things. And maybe this is something everybody could pray too, but and something to think about. But, and that's why the life of listening is important, right? Because these sentences define my life. I didn't understand what they would be about. But there are light sometimes in the darkness when you can't see where your life is headed or going. First thing was, at 21, I, you're, I'm, you know, I was doing the same thing you guys are going to do today. Go out in the woods, the lake, whatever it is. And, um, and I heard the tenderness of the father. I was like, what? Tenderness? What about, like, warrior? You know, like, what about, like, you know, King David? You know, like, awesome. See? See the problem? I'm fighting with God even when I'm praying. And it's like the tenderness of the Father is going to be seen through you and bless many. And I was like, what? <laughs> and the truth is, rather, one of, the, one of my main ministries is representing the Father 
two people. And that's been one of the greatest joys of my life, to represent the Father to others. But not like the rough, the rough part of God or the fierce part of God, but the tender, the tender heart of God. That's sort of guided my life. It gives you a direction of like, that's when I went into mentoring, you know, mentoring people and, and men to represent God the Father. And, you know, it's not like when I have a mentoring, I don't know why people get scared when I want to have lunch with them sometimes. <laughs> I was like, hey, let's have lunch. Why? <laughs> it's like, one time I just want to have lunch with the podcast crew one time. To Joe and Dan, I was like, hey, let's have lunch. What did we do wrong? <laughs> I was like, I just want to buy you guys. I just, I just want to buy you guys meat. They're like, no, you don't. This podcast is completely canceled. What are we doing wrong? What are we doing wrong? You know, and, and the thing is, all, all the, a lot of us have. And I used to fear meeting with my mentor too. Um, all, all of us fear like we're doing something wrong. Right, like you're gonna meet with like in a like a someone that represents God. You're like, I better like pray today. I better like <laughs> like get holyed up. You know, like I, I need to, you know, I need to, I need to like you know, I need to get you know prep this so that it'd be like, oh, how are you doing? I remember like when I was in high school, my mentor said, so how are you doing? I said, well, I need to pray more and I, I need to read my Bible more and I need to evangelize more because it was never enough, never enough, and so. That ministry of meeting with people and being like, how are you doing? Just eat, just be there, be present, sort of guided my life. And it gave me a lot of joy because, you know, that is missing in the church. And there's, there's parts in the body that's missing, ministry is missing, because a lot of us don't know that's something God is doing in our life. Right? All right, one time, Harris, we met up and I said, Harris, you need to play to win. Right? Those are the times. Coaches, fathers, mentors, they come and they, they gently give you direction. You see, dominant fathers hurt you. How many people have dominant fathers? Don't raise your hand. We'll, we'll, gr- we'll grieve later tonight. <laughs> We're doing a grief journal later tonight. But, um, yeah, dominant fathers hurt you because they make you um, an image of themselves to get the validation, Right? The Father God gives you direction and molds you into who he made you to be and bring out the best of you, right? For me, that's been one of the greatest joys, to be a mentor and to represent God. That's, that's the sentence I heard, and I, see it, I saw it you know, unfold in my life. The, la- the last thing was, I got two sentences, was I'm going to give you the stage of history. And I, I told that to some friends, like, that's just you want to be awesome. No, it was really, it was really God. He said, I want to give you the stage of history to speak my heart to your generation. And I, and I see that in the tail end of turning 40. It took 20 years to see that to fruition. So the things that God says sometimes don't automatically come to fruition. It's just he's working in you. And so... That has guided me and been the light in many ways to speak into this generation, my heart for the generation. Speak in what, what's his heart? Like, what's God's heart? God's not mad at you. He's not upset with you. He wants you to come to him. A lot of preaching in my 
when I was much younger was like, you're bad. <laughs> you're bad, you're doing it wrong, and you shouldn't be doing that. If you hear any messages of 180, we never ever say you shouldn't. Because you're going to do it anyway. <laughs> I know it already, right? Because we were there. So we were there at that time. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't be, we're just shitting on people all the time. Just shitting on people. No, we'd like, no, we go, no, we paint a picture. We go, God is like this. Some of you have ministries that God has called you to do. <laughs> See, Appa, yeah. that will bless so many if you just heard what God is saying. And so some, so, so, some of those three things will be, you know, mixed, maybe all three, maybe one, whatever they, those might be. Be on the lookout to listen. And then have the courage to share those sentences. Like when we go later out, try to, try to really listen. God, what are you doing in my life? Because in the end of the day, that's the one thing needed. What is that? Life of listening. Because I think what God has to say is so much more important than what you have to say, no? Because we have a lot to say. And I think that's part of the spiritual life that a lot of people neglect. listening, because, and I've said this many times, you know God is more interested in you flourishing than you are. You're, God is super committed to creating a masterpiece. I'm more committed to my son's success than he is. Whatever he wants to be. And, I mean, some people are like, well, he wants to be a rapper. Well, let's do it. <laughs> I'm more committed. Why? Because the Father's heart's that way. And I really pray that that is imprinted on you this weekend, that God's heart for you and his commitment towards you is greater than your commitment to him. So if you've met him halfway, even 10%, amazing things could happen in your life. So let's pray. As we wrap this up, I'm going to just read this to you. So... How are you cultivating a life of listening? You got to cultivate sacred places, sacred times, and sacred people. Today, we have a sacred time to eliminate hurry from our lives, and we're talking about things that matter to us, things that matter to your life, your hopes, your dreams, your disappointments. We're going to have sacred places. We're going to go out where, like Jesus went to, the hills, to listen to the Father. And later, we'll have sacred people listen to our story. So, Father, we want to pray this weekend. A lot of us are like Martha. We're always focusing what you're trying to do through us and what we could do for you. And it's strange. You're the God of the universe. You created this vast universe of billions and billions of galaxies with billions and billions of stars with one word. 
and we somehow think we can do something for you. When your heart is to do something for us and in us. What would happen if God's word took root in the soil of your heart this weekend? If God created the universe with one word, what would his words deposited into you accomplish in the next 10, 20, 30 years? What if you protected that deposit from this weekend and practiced it? What are the beautiful things God could cultivate in your life? Holy Spirit, we pray that you bless our sacred places, our sacred times, and our sacred friends. So that the work you want to do in us could be accomplished this weekend. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.